0: Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Dome podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Jay Goody Goodhart, repping the Barstool Sports Chicago. Where'd you get that ad?
1: Barstool Sports. <laughs> Where do you think I got it?
0: I know, but like what website? You got off their website? Yeah, bro. Nice. How much did that cost?
1: Uh, ooh, uh, probably like 20 bucks. Nice. Chicago beanie. I don't know. I don't remember. Right. I thought I saw it like the colors, like the Chicago. So yeah, I that's nice. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks. You know for that,
0: thanks you know that.
1: You um, know that. Last night, um, the last uh, the last thirty seconds of game time in the Lakers Clippers game took a total of twenty minutes.
0: Sheesh. Twenty-five. Oh, look, if you're gonna make a call, just make the fucking call. You don't have to take so long just to overturn it. It should take no more than five minutes. I think there should be a time limit based off mm-hmm. of how long you have to review a certain play.
1: Yeah, because I like I the new challenge system. I think it's good. I think it's great, actually. But I also just think that – I don't
0: mind the challenge system. It's still
1: flawed. It's still flawed because it takes so long. It took eight and a half minutes for a challenge. system.
0: Like, but, I just wanted to sh- – I didn't care at the point what the result was. I just said, come on. I'm, I almost fell fell asleep during it. I swear. To it God. ruined
1: a really good game. Yeah. Or not ruined. I mean, yeah, well, like, it, it's it, it made it less enjoyable. It
0: really was sure. less enjoyable. That was the most dumb ending. I, I mean,
1: thought. it was very enjoyable for you.
0: No, it was not. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> that in a second. Um, um, uh, for by the way, just a quick note of order before we get into this, um, I want to thank you all for listening to the episode I did. With my shout out to my um, to my guest Jeff Perlman for getting great insight with the Showtime book um, and the Showtime series coming out. Jordan, I'm sure you're gonna watch that the HBO series about the Showtime Lakers.
1: Of course i, I I'm, I'm going to actually uh, read the book too. It sounds interesting I, uh, After, I'm, still, I'm not a big book guy, but when i when I find something interesting to read, I'll read it so that's kind of like my thing it's like i don't like reading I don't love writing, but if I'm writing or reading about something I mainly I just
0: it. read sports books, but if you mm-hmm. if you want to read a great sports book i he he did that he wrote brett farr's um bi uh, biography he wrote Walter Payton's mm-hmm. biography he wrote uh the USF. Yeah, Bo Jackson... Well, and he has a Bo Jackson book coming out, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, he wrote Showtime, and he wrote the Three Ring Circus, the era of Shaq and Kobe. So, if you want mm-hmm. a great read, and after I finish this book, actually, just to, I'm just rereading it, I'll send it over to you if you want.
1: Got it. What's your What's your name drop of the day?
0: My name drop of the day. My name drop of the day is the. Nazi Muhammad Oklahoma City Ooh. Thunder and Chicago Bowl.
1: He a yeah, uh, Bull legend
0: He is a Bull legend And uh, he. I also have A grime to pick with him After he pushed LeBron in game four of the playoffs <laughs> But he, he, he Seems like a good dude I actually met him once uh, After oh, a Bulls game when I was little um, Oh he, that's nice Yeah and he, he's, he's tall Very tall I, but, A lot of those players are Like like, when you see these players, like, in real life, like, when you see them on the court, you think, oh, man, they're just normal size. When you see these players, like, in person, you're like, holy shit.
1: Well, yeah, when you see them just, like, all next to each other, they all kind of look normal because they're all, like, around the same height. But Like, then, when you like see, see, the see them next to someone, like, like, a normal person, it's like, whoa. They're like, fucking shit. I see, like, videos of Steph Curry, like, just, like, walking around and, like, fan seeing, him. I'm like, damn, he's so much taller than he seems because he's so much smaller than everyone on the court, but in person, he's, like, 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, 10, like...
0: like that's
1: how it is. Uh, what's your mm-hmm. name, Rob? Uh, Zach Mattenberger. Who's he? Gunslinger. Gunslinger from the Titans. He was the Titans quarterback in the early 2010s. He was like, he was fun because he just put up a lot of yards. Uh, I remember using him in Madden a lot. Uh, before the Mario today.
0: If
1: it's magic, nah. Titans Zach logic. Mattenberger. Yeah, but he's a legend forever team, so it's like That's Zach Mattenberger.
0: He, he, he's, he's a legend. He, he, yeah. He's one of the more – he's actually one of the more clutch quarterbacks I've seen the last couple of years. But anyway, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was talking to you before this, and I just want to get this out of the way on this rant here, Mr. Goodhart. Uh, I, I have to confession to make. I may not – I'm not going spe- to reveal it, but I may or may not have cried my eyes out before I went to sleep after the Laker game last night. So last night, if those of you that don't know or was watching, it was probably the dumbest ending to a game ever. I mean, it took 25 minutes. Like, If you want to make – overturn the call, overturn the call. But it should not have taken 24 minutes long to overturn a call like that. And granted, that was not the real reason why the Lakers lost last night. They have just done what they've done all year. They had a good lead going into the fourth quarter. They blew it, and they don't get their shot selection was bad. Their defense towards the end was bad, and and that final play, and we broke this down last night, you and I. Um, that was horrible, and I don't know what the fuck Vogel drew up. And I thought this would be a good game to okay make a little bit of a push to at least move up to the eighth spot to get the double elimination as opposed to the single elimination where they stand today and it they are not at that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately their road to at least make the playoffs is gonna be a lot harder. And people could say, Well, that well, people even the people that hate the Lakers or troll them didn't think they'd be in this position. I mean, I knew they thought they would struggle or barely be a sixth seed, but I didn't think they would people thought, including me, thought that this would be They would be this bad. Like, I expected at least them to be better than what they were. Injuries, COVID, and the whole roster construction from the Russell Westbrook deal, unfortunately, didn't work out. And, look, I love Bron the player, but as the unofficial GM, or the gm you and others call him, um... Mm -hmm. He's gonna to have to own this one. I defend him more than anybody, but I can't defend him as the team builder of this team because I don't, there was an offer on the table to get Buddy healed and he would have been a great fit but unfortunately didn't work out.
1: and Damar thought that he was the Lakers. yeah I was. don't know why.
0: I don't know why. Maybe they I don't know why I kind of I pushed for him to get Damar. But unfortunately, that was not the case. DeMar Buddy would have been great. But I know Russ wasn't the problem last night, but he is a solo act, stat machine, turnover brick machine. That's what he's been his entire career, exactly what people thought he would be, and no more less. And AD just cannot stay healthy. And that's what they're at, and it's a shame. I don't think anybody thought they would be in this position – I thought they would at least be a five or six seed at this point, but no. Unfortunately, this is where they're at, and I've made peace with it, and it sucks. The floor is yours now. I, I, they, they make me fucking sick.
1: Yeah. I mean, as much as that was that last session, like you said, was really bad on the Lakers' part, I think not enough people are giving credit to the Clippers and Ty Lue, because that was some of the best defense I think I've seen played. Lue, I will
0: give Oh, they also made another mistake. Yeah. They should have hired Ty Lu instead of Frank Vogel. <laughs> Ty Lu is a is one of the best coaches in basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. I I, just yeah, heard. he has the connection with the Browns, So it's like Yeah, he uh, they
0: yeah, and they lowballed yeah. him two summers ago, but go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, after that mistake by the Clippers and probably Ty Lue, when they threw it all the way back court when he had one second to get across half was- court. They could have came out and been lost and been rattled, but they came out and played some of the best defense they could have played by literally triple teaming LeBron. And then their rotation on the other side of the court was beautiful. I I don't remember who it was, but I think it was Reggie Jackson on the side in between Westbrook and THT in the corner.
0: Was it him or was it Covington?
1: It might have been Covington. No Covington was guarding LeBron.
0: Right. No, it was Covington, yeah. Terrence Mann And and that's what I thought it was. And Marcus
1: Morris, maybe. Marcus Morris was
0: on the backside coverage. yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But um, so when Carmel Anthony got the ball, Russell Westbrook was on the block, and Tht was in the corner, and there was one defender in between both of them, and it was a very hard pass for Carmel Anthony to make because he had his right arm kind of in the passing lane of Westbrook, and it would have been a really hard pass for a guy like Carmel Anthony who's not like an elite passer to make down low. I mean, yeah, if he that, did take it to the corner... Or he had THT. Defender, yeah, but if he gave it to THT, the defender played so wide and he was playing so active that he could have gotten back to THT and, and closed out on him. So the mellow shot doesn't look great just from that standpoint. But when you really break down the play, it was honestly all they had. And he honestly probably thought there was one second left that he didn't know. And it, I'm not going to try to harp on LeBron too much, uh, but that you have to realize when the double's going to come, when you're that good. And you have to get to your spot and anticipate the double and beat the double team. You can't wait for the double team to get to you like he did last night. He kind of just, from 30 feet out, passed it away to no, the and he didn't even make it to the three-point line. DeMar DeRozan the other night in that in, with that game whatever he beat – he knew the double team was coming. Everyone in the stadium knew the double team was coming. Stacy King said the double team was coming. He's like, are they going to double him? He's going to have to pass, pass to Levine. Well, no, because he got to his spot in one-on-one. He got to the 16-foot range where he loves – and he turned around and he was already going up for a shot before Kevin Wertzer was able to get there for the double team. So he didn't have to kick it out. So that's just instincts right there. And I mean, obviously LeBron is LeBron. Like you're not gonna I'm not calling him dumb. He's one of he's one of the smartest players ever, but that was a very sort of dumb playoffs. And that he did they not look like a, he did not look like a thirty-six year old. He looked like a 22-year-old rookie who didn't know what he was doing. He, he,
0: I watched that entire game last night. And even as much as I defended LeBron the player, last night he looked gassed. He looked so mm-hmm. gassed. He just wasn't that self he was. Like, again, mm-hmm. in the All-Star game or the final game before the All-Star break against Utah where he took over that fourth quarter game, he didn't look like that. He mm-hmm. looked disengaged a lot of the night. He missed a lot of shots. He struggled from the field, missed a lot of threes, turned the ball over. He had six
1: turnovers last night. And he's shooting more threes than ever, which it just, it, that's an age thing at this point. It's an age he's not, thing, yeah. he's, not, he's not powering through everyone like he used to. It used to be just, you can't stop him going He's still him.
0: great, mm-hmm. but he's not what he – but he doesn't dominate like he, mm-hmm. like he used to. And mm-hmm. – after the game, I just want to get your thoughts on this before we dive into other subjects here. I just want to get, I just want to clear this up. Like these whole reports that, Oh my God, LeBron wants to go back to Cleveland or, uh, and like there's reports of him in the front office and like LeBron after the game obliterated the reporter saying you're just making shit up pretty much is what he was saying. He called out a reporter by name last night. Like he said he wants to remain with the Lakers. So what do you make of that whole
1: thing going on? Well, he dug himself in this hole. Like he's the one who came out during all-star weekend and started saying the Cavs have got great young talent. They've got a couple all-stars and me. Maybe the he was just, and was just excited. He's like, and then he's like Sam Presti. He's such a good GM. Oh, I'm going to play with Brownie in a couple of years. Like, like, what? Like, it was just unneeded what he did, and he put himself in this hole, and of course, people are going to speculate, and it, it, he was probably just pissed off about the loss last night, so that's probably why he got a little heated. Um, but, yeah, I could see him being frustrated about that because, like, he is on the Lakers right now. It's not even the offseason. They're still they're really struggling, but they're still in the playoff hunt, and they're going to be in the play-in tournament probably, but um, I don't know. It just seems like he kind of put himself in this situation, and that's and like Rich Paul, kind of put himself in this situation, and yeah, I think he just needs to focus on winning the games now. And uh, he, he just needs he, has, to he sh- has a he has a playoff push to worry about right now. He's got he's got to go zero dark thirty.
0: Right. I, I yes. Unfortunately, uh, so I want to switch gears here, and I want to ask you about this other thing going on. Um, we're going to talk about someone else, and he's let's just say this guy. As an interesting diet per se, and his name is Zion Williamson. That was a little harsh, but so Zion, there's been a lot of beef going on. The speculated that he wants out of New Orleans, and JJ Redick on first take, who I by the way I think he's the best analyst out there, by far the most objective analysis, analyst. So called Zion out. Who, by the way, he was former teammates with Zion, and questioned his commitment last year. <laughs> his commitment to winning, and by him not being in shape, him rehabbing in Portland, and didn't even text C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum later had his back, saying, "Yes, we talked." But what do you make of this whole like Zion uh, beef? Do you think he want he's holding out, or do you think he's actually hurt? Like, like a sort of like greg odin thing because he's missed just a money amount of games as greg odin's like played his career so what do you make of this whole Zion thing going on like do you think he wants to stay in new orleans or wh-
1: what do you think i think it's pretty clear and evident at this point that he kind of he wants out of new orleans because it, I'm not, it's definitely not right he shouldn't he doesn't have the right at this point in his career to be demanding out of New Orleans when they've done everything they can to keep him. They have done everything. It's not like he's being wasted out in New Orleans. They brought him Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, JJ Redick, Joshua, et cetera. A bunch of guys around him. One of them being Brandon Ingram, who's a bona fide all-star. Uh, they just brought, they just brought him CJ McCollum CJ McCollum at the all-star break. They already have Jonas Valanciunas. They lost Lonzo, Redick, uh, and them. but I mean, It's like, what else could he ask for? You're not going to play next to John Morant, Zion. I'm sorry. Like, you guys were were the one and two pick. You're not going to play next to him, like, if that's what he wants. Um, I'm not going to question his injury because, obviously, injuries suck. And at that built – and when you're built like that, that was a thing coming out of college that was a worry. It was a concern. He had had foot injuries. He had had knee injuries. It was definitely a concern. And out of college, a lot of people said, the talent's obviously there. The wows is there is the durability going to be there? And that's something that I questioned, but I wanted to believe that yeah, that wasn't going to be a thing because he's such a fun guy to watch. He seemed like a good guy off the court, and it just seemed like he was the next superstar in this league. And when he was playing, he was averaging, like, what, 26 points on – He was this, averaging,
0: like, 28 points. like On, like,
1: 60% shooting. Well. Like, he, he was unbelievable. And it's just said of injuries and sort of a lack of commitment. You know, a lot of people talk about his weight, but I think it's just – but when you're a guy like Zion, who is that big and that strong and kind of has a go linebacker build to him, one injury can really fuck you up when you're out that long because right. he's not running at practice every day. He's not – especially a foot injury. It's not like an arm where he can still run. It's – he's not able to get the conditioning in. And someone needs to be there for him. He didn't ha- – he doesn't have a veteran on the team to kind of sit him down like, so- like what happened with Charles Barkley back in the day where they say, yo – your career is going to fall off unless you start to diet better, especially when you're hurt like this. You need to focus on your eating more than you did before. And, um, like, he's only played, like you said, 85 games in his first three seasons. Like, it's he's not playing this year. Like, I don't think he's playing this year. There, there's no reason for him to play this year at this point. But he's played 85 games in three years. I'm pretty sure Greg Oden played 82. Uh, he's better than Greg Oden, though he's shown better uh, flashes than Greg Oden, obviously. But he's just been on and off uh, and it's been sort of predictable since college. And JJ Reddick calling him out as a bad teammate was kind of the cherry on top for me to get off the Zion trend. Because when a guy like JJ Reddick, who is seemingly a great guy and a great teammate and a veteran, and now he's an analyst, but he went to do he's and he's been he's been known as like a kind of like a a quote unquote locker room guy, if you want to say, like he's never really had issues for him to say that Zion's not a good teammate and it's not even just the CJ McCollum thing. He said last year, like Zion wasn't their leader. Zion wasn't like that connected to his team. And then Zion finally texted CJ McCollum after he called him out. Uh, It's weird. And it's hard for a small market like the Pelicans to bring in stars and they've brought in enough for Zion to be happy and just not. Um, And, where like is if he's gonna be traded, I don't know where that's gonna be. He wants, he wants to be like a big jaw, like New he's, York. Then he wants to play with job ja, though. He's, he apparently wants to team up with Jaw, and but Memphis is like why? Like I don't think they're gonna. I don't know what they would give. They're not gonna give up Dylan Brooks and a bunch of picks. For think. Uh, for a guy who's not even playing basketball right now, so it would have to be a team like the Knicks. I think like where they would give him like Julius Randle or something, but. It's just a weird situation. And for people calling for New Orleans to relocate to Seattle, I don't agree with that because New Orleans is such a great city. It's a fun city. Like, and you can't just take teams and just move them to Seattle because they're not playing well. Like, these small towns, these, te- these, these uh, smaller market teams have some of the best fan bases because they're just – they're not bandwagons, you know. They're, like, legit, like, hardcore – fans who if they lose their team are going to be pissed
0: like sacramento so. like mm-hmm. yeah like sacramento new orleans um mm-hmm. Oka- oklahoma city like those are small markets that they're small ponds that mm-hmm. fail to attract big fish per se like yeah. people, it's very tough to like find that and mm-hmm. you know what i feel like this is almost like sort of history repeating himself with the injuries with zion like this is starting to be, like, you know what it is? It's starting to be, like, history repeating itself, like, the 20, 2007 draft. <laughs> like, it was Greg Oden going 1-1 and then Kevin Durant going 1-2. Like, yep. Greg Oden had unrealized potential. I mean, and Kevin Durant, we all know how he is, how he is right now. He's a top 15 player ever. So, mm-hmm. it's really just unfortunate in that, in that way. Um, I will say this. I don't understand what's I yes he's but New Orleans they have made they actually with with out Zion like even though they had like a pathetic start to the year people thought like they were the worst team in the league they played like basically 500 ball sense mm-hmm. like Hayes is
1: also by the way Jackson Hayes Jackson like, Hayes is really playing. good I like ever him. since he moved to the 4 he's been great
0: like and they are they're they're really kind of interest, kind of nice to watch like I watched them last night against the Suns like although they were without Chris Paul like and they just blew him off the court mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram is a was an all-star two years ago and he's playing very well and CJ McCollum low-key's been playing having playing one of the best all-around like yeah. of ball lately mm-hmm. I mean he was great last night and I feel like now that he's traded to a place he actually likes to be at, I still think Mm -hmm. he deserves to be on a contending team, but I do think he's in a good place right now. And I'm going to say this. If if Zion was healthy, I'm not saying they'd come out of the West. They probably wouldn't. But I think they'd be, like, pretty good along the likes of the Mavericks and the Jazz or whatever the case is. They'd be in that Mm -hmm. sort of tier. So I kind of like, like, what they have. I just – yes, Zion's unhappy there. And – and we'll see what happens with his rookie contract but if you are an nba star you are expected to be committed on a nightly basis and whatever the case is yes you are unhappy but play your way out of it like mm-hmm. like if you're unhappy just play through your contract stop bitching and just worry about like getting being better each and every year to build your brand like that's what he was yes the pelicans last year were a disappointment, even though they had Lonzo Ball, who was really good last year, and that Brandon Ingram and Josh mm-hmm. Hart at the time last year. And yes, they they stand they didn't have the right coach or whatever, but they Zion committed committed last year. He, they were just fun, like and he if he when he commits, he's one of the most dominant players in basketball. He truly is at this mm-hmm. to be this young and to dominate the way he did last year. Incredible.
1: Yeah, and like you said last year, I think the I think a big mistake that the Pelicans made was bringing in Van Gundy to a team that was so young and so promising. They brought in an older, yeah, veteran coach right who didn't me. connect with the players, and his offense was really bad because he wasted Lonzo Ball. Like right. Lonzo needed to be on a team with a fast-paced type of offense, and so did kind of Zion because. You, Everyone just imagined Lonzo throwing lobs of Zion all that, and it just never really happened, and you could see Lonzo's playing much better with a team like Chicago.
0: Yeah, he, they needed to, to be on teams that led, led the league at pace, and they're one of the slowest teams in the league. And look, but the thing is, though, all around them, I kind of like the Pelicans. B.I.'s playing well. Like, they, they're a really good fun team. They just – I'll say this. If Willie Green maybe was the coach last year, I think they'd be. I think Zion would be a lot happier. I would say. So I mean, I just think that he's handling this like a child. He really is. He, the people would kill to be in his position to play constantly and to get paid big bucks.
1: Getting a hundred million dollar deal from Jordan, <laughs> like that's <laughs> like would seem mad brand, about? Like,
0: and with the Jordan brand he had, like, and all mm-hmm. that, like, he, he doesn't
1: need New York. He has hundred million dollars from Jordan. I, mean, I, I said the same thing. Own,
0: Shaq Shaq was with the fucking Orlando Magic before like he got sh- before he signed with the Lakers. And you don't have to be a big fish in a big pond. You could be a big fish in a small pond to make it mm-hmm. attractable, like like Shaq was with the Magic or Chris Paul originally when he was with New Orleans or Anthony Davis when he was with New Orleans. Or Russell Westbrook, just him by himself with the Thunder. Like that, you don't need to want to play in a big market. If you just play your game and if you build like a good foundation there or in a small market, people will come. And mm-hmm. I like, I think if Zion maybe was playing right now, I think they'd be a top four to five seed in the West right now if he was playing.
1: Mm hmm. I agree because they're what are they? Are they the ten right now? Or are they are they, are they like think, right on the play? No, I think the Blazers are still the ten, but they are a mm-hmm. couple games back from the ten. Yeah, like, they they might get a playing game, might yeah. and like getting a playing game doesn't mean anything. Like, but but it'd be a
0: good step of development. Plus,
1: yeah, unless you win the plan and make the actual playoffs, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, it's just it's just weird. And uh, speaking of. Guys in a tough situation that are, <laughs> like, a lot right now. Let's 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 shift over to the turf. Let's get to Mister Aaron Rodgers as you like to call him. <laughs> Rodgers, <Aaron> <Rogers. laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of speculation. He went on the Pat McAfee podcast. He posted that Monday, whatever that was, that Monday motivation, whatever the fuck that was, uh, on Instagram. He said he went through some cleanse. Pancha karma,
0: Pancha karma cleanse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are your uh, thoughts on this and what, where do you think he is next season?
0: Uh, okay. I just gotta, I'm sorry. I, I really just gotta lay this out here. Aaron Rodgers is the biggest blame deflecting diva of a quarterback that I've seen. Like, I just don't get it with this guy. Like with what, When he went on the Pat McAfee show, which it wasn't in a while, we were all tuning in, like 300K viewers turning in to see what was Aaron Rodgers going to do. And he's like, "Uh, no decisions being made. He's an attention seeker that just wants the attention. And if things are not focusing on him like the Packers are, he's going to be complaining about it. And he apparently wants to be paid as the highest paid quarterback uh, again, like, what do you want? You wanted Randall Cobb. You wanted all these things. Like, what the fuck else do you want? He always has to make excuses. Like, when he lost to the Falcons, like, or the, the Niners in the NFC title game, he's like, we got to get one of these at home. And he lost to Brady. And then last year – and then look what happened against the Niners. He makes everything else a apparently thing to him. According to him, the world revolves around Aaron. That's really all it is, and I just don't like that one bit. Look, I my I wasn't against him not being vaccinated. Hell, the the Carson Wentz is not vaccinated. I like him. The point I'm trying to make is he's just a smug, condescending guy who like is, who like thinks the world revolves around him, and he's trying to show sympathy, create sympathy in a situation. And once again, we're in the same position we were a year ago, where Aaron Rodgers was holding the Packers hostage because he is trying to put pressure on them again after another failed postseason and, and another MVP again, but failure in the postseason. It's the same thing over and over and over again. If I was reading the tea leaves right now about Aaron Rodgers, I think I originally thought, he would he would go to Denver because of Nathaniel Hackett. Now I'm really just not sure where he's going to go. If I, for, but from what the Instagram post he was posting, originally I thought it was like a uh, like him showing gratitude after his breakup with Shanley Woodley, that famous actress. I think maybe it was a gratitude post at the time, but now that he was calling out his teammates, if I had to say... I would say he's either going to stay with the Packers again and seek more money or retire because it kind of also felt like a retirement post of how you're reading it. It was true. So I think Aaron Rodgers is just doing this just to create attention for himself. And I am just, what else do you need? Like the world revolves around Aaron. Look, he's a great quarterback. Obviously he's one of the five greatest quarterbacks ever. And he had another great season, MVP caliber season. Some people thought it should have been Brady, but I thought he had a really good year. They were the number one seed in the NFC. They played very well throughout the regular season. But what else? Why does he always have to make this attention about himself? Like the rumblings of we basically lured him to listen to the Pat McAfee show with Aaron Rodgers for nothing, pretty much. Like he makes things all about him, in my opinion. And I, I, if I had to say, I think he's either gonna read the tea leaves and, reti- and retire, or I think he'll stay with the Packers for another year. I, I don't know. He he is made things things so unlikable
1: lately. I mean, he's always been an unlikable guy I'll admit that I mean he's never really been like a like he's always just been kind of like a he, he's a dick like he, he is a dick he is a, a dick, he, dick. Um, anti like I, I like I like his I like his humor in the fact that he's like a dick like that I like his humor sometimes but I think this situation was is harder to defend because of the fact that he did shit the bed in the playoffs and he like just kind of didn't really, I don't know. It's like he shit the bed in the playoffs. And then now he's like holding Packers hostage, like he said, but I mean, I don't really have a problem with the whole Pemex thing. Like he goes on there every Tuesday. He took a couple weeks off because he needed that quote unquote cleanse or whatever. So he took the couple weeks off, but I mean, it just happened to be that he posted that that Monday night. Um, but I think it was just like more of like a, he was kind of reminiscing on the season. Uh, and just wanted to give his like end of season post kind of. And he thought the picture with Randall Cobb and Devonte Adams, like without someone in the middle when they kind of left the spot for him when he was out, was cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, like he said, he said, like he's, he at least he said at the start of the podcast that there was no decision uh, and shout I mean, he's, he's helping the boy out Pat McAfee by getting him a lot of viewers, but Pat really doesn't do He has, like, he has like the me. viewers. Pat, by the way, he has a, Vince McMahon coming on Thursday. That's actually, like, big. Because, like, no Vince way. doesn't do – Vince doesn't do, like – he doesn't do interviews. Like, he's, like, a very, like, interesting guy. Like, no one really knows much about him. Like, he's not, like, a interview type of guy, but he is going on Pat McAfee Thursday, which is cool. So, I'm sure Pat's going to get hundreds of thousands of viewers on that live, like he did with Rodgers. But I think Rodgers, if I had to predict where he is, I mean, the live odds have him, like, minus 300 to Green Bay again. I don't see him in Green Bay next year because of the fact that I don't have to see Devontae Adams in Green Bay next year. So I don't, I, I don't think Aaron's going to want to play without Devontae. Um, so I think he's either retiring or going to Denver as much as I want him to come to Tennessee. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think, I don't think he's going to be in a Packers uniform next year. I could honestly see him being on a team like San Francisco. Cause that's where he wanted to play growing up there. Eh, but like they have Trey Lance. So I don't know. It's it's just a weird situation because of the cap situation for the Packers and the fact that for years now he hasn't really wanted to be there, and now Devonte Adams is going to be gone maybe possibly, maybe even a bear. Uh, but if Aaron Rodgers is out of, out of that NFC North division, that's going to be crazy because who's the best quarterback in that division then?
0: Uh, Kirk. Unfortunately, You're probably Kirk cousins.
1: cousins.
0: Unfortunately, I mean Kirk had
1: a good year last year, but he's nothing like. He's not like I think, think the I've best never been it. a
0: Kirk Cousins fan. I think he's an overpaid underachiever. I he struggles. Mm. He struggled in many big games.
1: And he's, a he's a lot never, like Tannehill, in the fact that he has. He's a lot like Tannehill. He he's he's a, he has
0: a better arm than Tannehill, but he he's a little bit better than Tannehill. But he's not a guy I would trust in a big game.
1: I don't know. I'd probably take Tannehill over him, but because Tannehill has the mobility factor, but. Uh, rogers I mean the whole situation is just like anything he says, everyone will talk. Like he'll he could he could tweet. I just had Chipotle for dinner, and people are like, oh, is he going to work at Chipotle? Is he going to go own a Chipotle after retirement? Like he, I mean he put he sets himself up for it, but it's also like the media falls for it. Like the you know? the
0: whole COVID thing that was going on. Like he wants attention. <laughs> He wants it. Like, what
1: else does he want? Like, he wants we- it. And he, the thing is, he wants it and he gets it. If people are so mad about him getting attention, stop giving it to him. If he posts an Instagram post, don't ramble about it on ESPN for two hours. You know, it's like, that's my thing. Uh, I think he's either retiring or going to a team like Denver. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, he said he's going to give his, uh, he's going to tell Green Bay before free agency. So they know what kind of where to go. I, if I had to say, us,
0: <laughs> I'll say two more weeks. I
1: give it two more weeks. I, uh, yeah, I'll give it about two weeks. Uh, I think he just needs to wait. He just, I think he's going to talk to them about the situation, the cap situation. Like, where is Devontae Adams going to be? If Devontae Adams is not going to be a Green Bay Packer, I'm not going to be a Green Bay Packer. That's going to be his thing. So we're going to
0: transition to back to the hard court, and we're going to talk about the our midseason awards So let me. So now we're gonna talk about uh, talk about uh, our midseason awards so far for the NBA, just like to see where the teams are at, like and which players are excelling. And uh, you so I'm gonna start off. We'll take turns asking each other like uh, questions, or we'll just go by the um, the topics of the NBA awards. So if you had to pick an MVP right now, who would it be?
1: Uh, this one's an obvious one for me. As much as I want to say Demar Derozan. It's got to be Joel Embiid. Uh, Dude's unbelievable right now. He's averaging 29.6 points per game, uh, leading the NBA with that. Uh, It's also his career high. He's averaging 11.2 rebounds a game, so he's averaging a double-double, almost a 30-point double-double, and four and a half assists per game, which is also his career high. Uh, and he's kept the Sixers as a top seed in the East, even with all the Simmons drama and not really having another star with him until, obviously, Harden. Uh, And we saw what him and Harden can be last night. Holy shit, they looked good. Uh, But, I mean, he's been healthy as of late, and after missing a big stretch of games, he's been healthy. And as long as he's been available, he's been unstoppable. It's kind of been his thing over the past few years. But being basically, knock on wood, injury-free since earlier in the year, he is propelled into the MVP slot. And as long as he does stay healthy, he's going to win in the MVP with about 20-something games left. Uh, Matthew, who's your MVP? Um,
0: yeah, I, I, we're going to agree on this one. I have Joel as my MVP. Um, I, have, I have him number one. I have Jokic number two. I have Damar number three. And then I have Giannis number four. Um, I think Joel has been unbelievable. With the, with the fact – despite the fact with all the Simmons drama and them playing another star and him planning to play high minutes per game, he is still, like – he is he is currently lead, one of the league leaders in scoring right now. He's top three, I think, along yeah. – Joel? Embiid? He's, yeah, well,
1: he's the
0: league in scoring. And
1: yeah,
0: leads the league in number points number per game. And, he, and then Giannis is number two. And Joel is also top 10 in rebounds per game. And he has been playing at an exceptional level and he's elevated the rest of the team to be where they're at right now. And with James Harden in the mix and this, and now they're a top three seed in the East. It's amazing. People thought they'd be like a five or six seed team without Ben Simmons. If he was assuming he wasn't going to play, mm-hmm. but now they got that second star. They don't need Joel to play heavy minutes. And him and Harden work really well together. But if he mm-hmm. keeps this up, despite the fact that like, they got another star, he should win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I want to ask you uh, to the next award. If you have to pick a defensive player of the year, who would it be?
1: This one's an interesting one because I want to say Draymond, but he hasn't been healthy. I
0: think he's now passed at this point to qualify for defensive player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like like if he
1: uh, like Before he got hurt, I would have said him by a landslide. I had him starting in my all-star game because of just how good he is defensively. But uh, I'm going to go with Jaron Jackson Jr. from the Memphis Grizzlies. He's leading the league with blocks. He's 125 blocks this year. He's third in blocks per game with 2.2. And the Grizzlies are 15-1 and when he has three-plus blocks. So his defensive, uh, when he's on his game defensively and when he's protecting the rim, they are at their best. So he's very valuable. He's the most valuable defensive player uh, according to the stats. And according to team stats, when an opponent attempts a shot within six feet of the basket, his field goal percentage is 13.7% lower than when Jackson Jr. is not contesting. So he just makes such an impact at the rim. He is one of the best rim protectors in the league. He's very, very young. Uh, the defense player of the year kind of this year is up in the air, but I think I give it to, to Jaron Jackson Jr., not Draymond Green. Uh, what about you?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go with a very good wing defender and a guy who's been a catalyst. One of the more, I would say, underappreciated players in the league a guy who has a big wingspan, who doesn't look big, but has a huge wingspan to cover up. And he's been the catalyst for the team that has the best record in the Western Conference. I'm going to go with Mikhail Bridges on this one. Mm-hmm. And he, what he's very disciplined. I mean, his size and length, how he can just guard. Like, he did a number on Steph Curry uh, back when these two teams, when him and the Warriors played. He's had, he's a guy, he played great defense on Luca. I mean, he's six, five. I mean, he's, yeah, he doesn't score a lot and he doesn't like get a lot of steals per game, but he leads the league in deflections and he has amazing stamina and he, and what he's been able to do is just exceptional and he has a very high IQ. He leads the league in deflections and his range of matchups that he has to guard, he has to guard the best players on a nightly basis. He has to guard Harden, Steph, uh, Dame. And, like, he has a high IQ of knowing uh, where everybody's going to be. And here's an interesting fact about Mikhail Bridges. He is, fe- he is their most important defender in their culture. I mean, you, they have other good wing players. They have DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder. But – the Suns net, net rating with Bridges on the floor is almost 10 points better when he's off the court, which ranks third on the team. And here's an interesting part. He didn't miss a game all last year, and he hasn't missed a game this year. He's an iron man. Like, he the, – the fact that he's been able to play in every game and still do this, like – and the fact that the Suns had the best record in the West, although they had a bad loss to the Pelicans last night, I like Mikhail Bridges a lot. He's my Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, I can see it going to him too. I mean, the Defensive Player of the Year with Draymond being out now is kind of up in the air because I don't want—I don't think they want to give it to Rudy Gobert again. <laughs> and no, no, no that's the, like of
0: fatigue at this point.
1: Yeah, and there's obviously uh there's a very big argument for Giannis too. Giannis could easily get it. So I think it's between Giannis, Jaron Jackson, and Mikael Bridges. Voter
0: uh, fatigue, I too. Voter fatigue, I yeah, no,
1: <laughs> Gobert. Fuck you, Gobert. But he did play really good defense on Luca. No, uh, last night I think uh, I saw I saw a video of him. He he had to guard him from the perimeter, and he actually ended up blocking him on like a layup. So shout out Rudy Gobert. But I'm done with him winning Defensive Player of the Year.
0: Now, who's your rookie of the year?
1: This is an interesting one because there's a lot of really good, talented rookies. This one might be a little – this is a sleeper pick in my opinion. I think he's not getting – he might not win, but he's who I would pick, and that's Josh Giddy. Uh, I like to call him Josh Gritty, uh, not the dance, but the fact that he's a gritty player. He's got a lot of grit. He's always – he does everything. He averages 12 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. So he does everything. He'll, he'll he's, just a, he's just a menace on defense. He's not a great defender, but he'll get up in your grill – uh, he's turning into a triple-double machine. He has four triple-double, tra- four triple doubles halfway through his rookie year, which is unbelievable. Uh, he's the first teenager ever to have back-to-back triple doubles. He had that huge game at, at Madison Square Garden, and that's a big thing when you're a rookie and you're under that spotlight and you're at MSG. How are you going to perform? He performed his best game of the year. I Everything mean, I forgot the exact stat line, but he had close to 30 points, like high 20s with uh, uh, like. 10 rebounds, 10 assists, like he, he's unbelievable. He does it all. That's why I like to call him Josh Gritty because he's a Gritty player. He does it all. Uh, And, you know, there's no really clear rookie of the year this year in my opinion. There's no one averaging 20 points. So that's my rookie of the year. Uh, Who's your rookie of the year, Matthew?
0: My rookie of the year is going to be the guy that all the rookies in the class, the team with the best record out of any of the rookies in the class. Uh, I'm going to go with Evan Mobley. He's averaging a double double around 14 and 10. He's a big catalyst of the reason why the Cavaliers are successful right now. I mean, they have a really good team, the Cavs do, although they're in a little bit of a losing streak. Evan Mobley is averaging, no, not 14 and 10, 14 and 8, but still largely impressive. And for a rookie to be doing this, and I people want to say Kate Cunningham is, but. I got to go with the guy That's the big, the big reason for why this team has the better record out of any of the rookies in the class. And Evan Mobley, I think, and he's averaging 1.6 blocks per game. He's almost averaging a steal game, averaging two and a half assists, eight rebounds, shooting 50% from the field, even though he's a bad free throw shooter, a bad three point shooter that obviously will change once he um, obviously develops. And I really like what he's been able to do with this Cavs team. They have a consistent they, – they have a consistent, like – they have a nice young core that's good for the future. And yeah. with him, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, all that. But he's a big reason why they're successful. Um, I really, really like how how he's played. So I'm going to say Evan Mobley is my rookie of the year. Yeah. I, I, I really like this rookie
1: class too. Um, it's a, like, it's like a lot kind of better.
0: I'd say it's better this year than it was last year. It's
1: just, day. it's been like all the guys have just been like, just, solid. I mean, you look down the list, like Cade Cunningham has been really good when he's come back from injury. Uh, Scotty Barnes, another guy who could win rookie of the year. He's been unbelievable. He's just a, he's a very hard, a hard worker. He's very, he's very focused on just basketball. Uh Jalen Green, he's, uh, he's a little overrated in my book, but he's exciting to watch. Evan Mobley, he's been great. Uh, Josh uh, Giddey. Uh, Franz Wagner's been great for the Magic. He's, uh, he's played really well when they played the Bulls uh, the couple games I've watched him. But it's just a really good rookie class and a bunch of uh, good guys who are really developing. Not a lot of scoring out of them early, but they'll, that's going to develop as it goes. They're doing a lot more than just scoring.
0: Uh, yeah, if I have to pick um, – if you have to pick an MIP, this is the word that – it really could go any way right now for who the most improved player is. Yeah. Um, it, it really is a toss-up. It, there's really not a wrong answer here. Like, if you watch basketball, like, who would you think is the most improved player, you would say?
1: I'd say John Morant. And I, I say that because he's just, like, out of all the people who could win most improved, he's just the best. And he's turned into an MVP candidate. Uh, he's averaging twenty six point eight
0: point shooting. is free throw shooting,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's averaging twenty six point eight points per game, career high. Five point eight rebounds per game, career high, and six point nine assists per game. While shooting forty nine and a half percent from the field and thirty three percent from beyond the arc, which are both higher, which are they're both yeah, which are both improving. And he's actually helped the Grizzlies from being in a playing tournament last year to a bona fide top team in the West. And that's key for me in the most improved player award race, because he's taken, he's not just him being improved. He's helped the team improve so much to being a contender in the West. Like they're a legit top. I think they're the third seed in the West right now. Uh, And it's not like they have the craziest best roster. And I mean, him and I have him and Jaron Jackson, both taking home awards and he, John Morant played his way into a all-star starter role. So He's my most improved player, but, again, it could go to a lot of other people. This year with the awards, it's not like a no a set thing yet with 20 like games left.
0: Like last year, yeah, there's
1: like t- there's about 20 games left, and, I mean, the MVP, a, you kind of know.
0: Same thing like last year. There wasn't really, like, a lock for anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: – Well, I mean, Jordan Clarkson was a lock last year to win sixth man of the year. I would say that was probably, like, the only lock, mm-hmm. I would say.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, but who's your most improved player?
0: Uh, my most improved player. And when I go through it, like John Moran, I could see why you would say that. And although he's obviously the best player out of the most improved, like obviously, uh, players are, are in the consideration. It's we all knew his impact. I mean, we knew like how great he would be. Like he just improved his three point shooting and free throw shooting, which was worked hard on, on the nightly basis. I have to pick, like, a most improved out of all these players. Like, I'm going to go with the guy – I said one Cav would win an award. And I'm going to pick another Cav to win an award. I'm going to go with Darius Garland as my Mm -hmm. most improved player of the year. Mm -hmm. With Colin Sexton went down. I mean, people thought Darius Garland wasn't anything special when when Colin Sexton went down, but – what Darius Garland has done, we we have to take that into consideration because the man has been a stud uh, this year. Uh, Darius Garland on the year is averaging 20 a game. Like, no one really thought that. He's averaging eight assists a game, and he's shooting 37, 38% from three, 90% from the free throw line, and almost 48% in the field goal rate. So he's almost at that 50, 40, 90 level. And what he's done with this Cavs team, they've been like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything yet, but they've been one of the most surprising teams in the league. I never thought, I didn't think they'd be this good. No one thought they'd be this good in the East right now. I'm not saying they're a contender or anything. They're still like a year or two away, but what they have a good foundation for the future, I would say. Darius Garland has been a major, major part in that, and I gotta give Darius Garland the most improved player
1: award. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's an, another All Star, uh, definitely deserving of the award, especially when Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio went down. He kind of held it down for them at the guard position and at, at a weak guard position for them, honestly. Cause they have a lot of they have a lot of seven footers on that team. And uh, now and Rondo's going to be out for two weeks, I think, with a foot injury. So he's going to really have to carry that load uh, for them. And that'll be interesting. He could easily pull it with that award down the stretch.
0: So now this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Uh, who is your it's, – it's really – the six-man award is like the award of the guy that's got, that contributes most when he's normally the bench player – which note? Which could light? Which he could light up all the other teams. Who sort of is like the cleanup hitter? I would say. Um, who would you say is your sixth man of the year?
1: Uh, uh ooh, as much as I want to say Alex Crusoe. he's been hurt, so I have to go with Tyler Hero. Uh, he's playing 32 minutes a game, and he's basically a switch. He's basically playing starter minutes off the bench. Right. It's a lot like how Lou Williams kind of worked when he was winning them. Uh, he's averaging 20 points per game, which is a career high after having I mean, kind of a down year. Like last year, he was criticized a lot because he was coming off of a big rookie year where they made the finals and everyone was like, Tyler Hero's gonna make that big jump. And he just never did. So, but now he's averaging 20 points per game, which is his career high, he's shooting 42% from the field, 37% from three. He's averaging 4.8 rebounds per game and 3.9 assists per game, which is also career high. And he's one of the main reasons why the Heat are where they are in the East at the top seed tied with the Bulls. Um, And Hero is a guy who honestly got a lot of all-star votes. Like he could have, he had, you have an argument to make him an all-star, not star, an all-star reserve as a six man. So I think this is one of the awards where I don't see a lot of other options at the six man, considering Crusoe got hurt. Uh, I think Tyler Hero's impact for the Heat, and he's basically the Heat's third best player and he's been healthy is a key reason why I think he's a six-man of the year.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with Tyler Hero on this one. He, after, like, after his amazing bubble uh, run with, in the, with the Heat, he had a very disappointing sophomore year. And, and But when he said that it was a revenge season, he, he backed it up. I mean, he would be uh, – he should have been – he could have been a considered an all-star. And, the, and he also said that he wanted to be the most improved player and six-man of the year. I'm not the, the most approved player. Thing is a long shot right now, but the sixth man of the year, like, is a, is a lock at this point. And with despite all the injuries and all the COVID thing that have gone on, he's been a big reason why the Miami Heat are where they're at, as tied with the best record in the East right now. Uh, Tyler Hero is averaging 20 a game, 20 a game, shooting 38% from three, and 86% from the free throw lot Like he off the bench, he's, he gets buckets wherever they, they need him to. If Jimmy's struggling or Duncan's struggling or Bam's not having a great game, he's going to come in and he's going to be the guy that's going to put the team on his back coming off the bench. And he is going to do that. He's one of the more clutch players right now. And I really like what my, what Tyler hero's done. And Whenever he's on the court, he has positive impact. So I'm going to go with Tyler Hero on this one. That was a pretty easy one that we agreed on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of expect so. There's just not many – it's just not – the Six Man of the Year is always kind of an award where you kind of know who's going to win before it happens. Like it's not really a surprise when anyone wins it. Uh, but, I mean, there's there's a lot of deserving guys of Six Man uh, this year, but Hero's just really excelled.
0: Now – This is going to be an obvious answer for you because of the success of this team. But if you want to say who the coach of the year is, would it be?
1: It's clearly Billy Donovan. Like, he's he's gotten the Bulls tied for the first place in the East right now with basically Lonzo and Caruso being out for half the year. Like, he's missing his – I'm
0: curious. What's up with Lonzo Ball?
1: Uh, he was running around at practice. There's a video of him running around at practice. He's continuing to rehab. It's just uh, uh, they want him to be 100% when he comes back. They, they don't want to rush him, especially since they're the one seed. So he'll be back. And him and Crusoe should be back in a couple weeks. Same with Pat Williams, too, He's also – Pat Williams has been shooting around and everything. crusoe has been dribbling. So uh, they'll be back in a couple weeks. Crusoe's a tough motherfucker, too. So he'll – I think I, – I wish Caruso could be back for the revenge game against Grayson Allen at home but he won't, but I mean, he's lost, he lost Billy Donovan. He lost his best. He lost his starting point guard. He lost his best defender and a guy who made such an impact. Who was not a starter, but a closer Alex Caruso. And he lost in the fifth game of the year. He lost Patrick Williams uh, to a wrist injury for basically the whole year. And Caruso and Lonzo have both been out for basically half the year at this point. And they're having success. And Levine's missed time. Uh, And they haven't just – they haven't taken the foot off the gas. They haven't fallen out of that top three range in the East since the start of the year. They've been so consistent, and it's credit to Billy Donovan because he's taken this team and molded them into a contender. And he's – he – I mean, we know how good of a coach he is. He literally has the court – the Florida basketball court is named after him. The Florida Gators, Billy Donovan – uh, court or something like that Billy Donovan arena because of how he did there we know he's a great coach what he did with the thunder he uh he just he he he's known for just taking teams and just winning you know he last year was his only year he hasn't made the playoffs uh in a weird year where Levine missed a lot of time with COVID and it just wasn't a good roster but this year they gave him pieces and he's done so well at coaching them to their best abilities at getting the most out of their players and he's Really, the uh, he's like a player's coach. You know, like he's a good guy. He's he's got a very laid back personality, but he'll make sure shit gets done. And he only has two players from last year's team playing right now: Kobe White and Zach Levine. Because Pat Williams has been out half the year or the whole year, so he's had two guys: Kobe White and Zach Levine playing from last year. So he's got a whole new he's got a whole new team, and he's done great with it. Yeah, they're tied for the first seed in the East, despite injuries and uh, ups and downs. But that's my pick. It was a pretty obvious one for me because it's Billy Donovan and they're the one seed. So I, I, I could back it up. So I want to hear your take on this. I'm sure it's not Frank Vogel.
0: No, he's not on. He's not even not even fucking close. Uh, he sucks. And <laughs> so he is. He will not. <laughs> Okay, that was a little harsh. He doesn't suck, but he's not good compared to the others. So, but if I had to pick one, I am going to have to go with I'm going to go with the surprise one on this one. I am going to take JB Bickerstaff of the Cleveland Cavaliers. A guy who, no, who took over this Cavs team, a Cavs team which everyone thought again would be in the lottery again this year yet they are where they're at. I already talked about how good the Gavin Mobley and Darius Garland are, but they just love playing for their coach. J.B. Bickerstaff with what they've been through, with Rubio being out and Sexton being out, and them doing what they're at, it's amazing. The Cavs are the most surprised team right now. I kind of spoiled it, actually. So I'm (laughs) going to say that J.B. Bickerstaff is a big part of it, keeping these guys intact, and them being a playoff team right now. Jamie Biggerstaff, for me, is the coach of the year.
1: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, while we're at it, I mean, our last award we have is a made-up award, uh, made-up award uh, but it's the most surprising team, and since you've already kind of spoiled yours, you can, Here's the you can start with it this definitely, one. <laughs> it
0: definitely.
1: It definitely <laughs> yeah, you've talked a lot about them already. I mean, yeah, they're surprising. Um, I thought they could have maybe gotten, like, an eight seed. I didn't think they were going to be a top four seed right now in the East, but I definitely – well, I mean, I'm definitely surprised by them, but but the team I'm most surprised by is the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies and Cavs are kind of similar. The Grizzlies were in the plan last year and made it as the eighth seed, so they were a little better last year, obviously, than the Cavs, but they're both similar teams that had a lot of young talent that people were like, hey, maybe they can kind of make some noise this year, but the Grizzlies have done more than kind of make some noise. They have legitimately made noise. They're, they have the third best record in the NBA at 41 and 19. So, that's better than the Cavs. That's the reason I kind of give it to them because they're both surprising to me, but the Grizzlies are better, so they're more surprising. Uh, they've gone from a play-in to a legit contender in the West, and John Moran's putting up MVP-like numbers. And in a stacked West, in a conference where people thought it was going to be Lakers, Suns, Jazz, Warriors, Mavericks, it's been the Grizzlies right there with them. So that's why I think they're – Surprising to me, I didn't think John Moran was going to be this good this year because he's really just became a much better scorer, and he's kind of just been more of a winner and propelled this team. So they're very "quote unquote" surprising to me. Uh, yeah, so that's my most surprising team. And yeah, it's enough NBA talk for. Yeah,
0: there's been enough NBA talk. I'm wiped out from it.
1: Yeah, you're. You're. you're I know you're not really into the NBA after last night.
0: <laughs> well, I'm still going to watch them, but it's not going to be with the same impact I had last night. I'll probably sporadically mm-hmm. watch them and I will cheer, but I won't tweet about them and I'll also be <laughs> on my phone looking at stuff. Or read. You know, uh,
1: James Harden, he already has tied Ben Simmons for <laughs> most, for for on the Sixers all-time three-point leaders <laughs> with, with five but that you know the craziest part about that stat is that Ben Simmons has five made three pointers in his career. I thought he had I remember he had one. So that's I thought he's had one. I honestly didn't think he's had no, five I, three pointers. That's surprising to me.
0: I I I think I think James Hart and Joel Beard are gonna be dangerous. So hey, we were going to bring up our next our guest. We're in, we're doing a new segment for the Aut the Don podcast. I'm been very excited about this. I shared it with Jordan and because he's great on Twitter. He's a feature Report mm-hmm. betting feature. We are calling it Ashman's Angle. And we are bringing in our gambling analyst for the Off the Dome podcast who's debuting, Jacob Ashman. Jordan, let's get a round of applause for Mr. Ashman.
2: Thank you, guys. Um, it's an honor to be on the podcast.
1: We're huge happy fans, to have huge you. Supporters. I'm excited. Yeah. Excited. I mean, Matt, Matt, Matthew is – I mean, he is – he he is he has a sort of a Twitter crush on you. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> yeah. I, except other than your pinned tweet,
2: I, which pinned I don't want to I know you're not a fan of the pinned tweet, but I'll live by that tweet. I like that one. I, I but, but you know what? Tweet.
0: Everything else, everything else, you're spot on about. Like I I, I, don't, I think you see out a lot of facts more than anything yeah. else.
2: Yeah, I'll never cave in LeBron Jordan. No, mm-hmm. the, the only point. thing.
1: This, we're, we'll say that for off, we're off the <laughs> up, But um, hey, I mean, congrats! By the way, you just hit 100 followers on Twitter. Big milestone. Yes. Yeah. Big yeah. yeah. the big one. 00 100. 100 uh, yeah. So congrats. Uh, hopefully, you're as spot on with your bets as you are about your takes on Twitter. All right. Uh, I know. I know you're. Hey, you're very good with your bets. I, I know that for sure. Yeah. Had a um, so had a down week last week, but
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it, it's 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 how it's the game. How, it's the it's the how game. we go? Yeah. So um, what you're are game. your you're you're ahead so, of
0: the scam curve. The the gambling the sports <laughs> thing. the sports gambling is a scam, but you just have to be ahead of the scam. That's how I view it as.
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, some some weeks are great, some weeks are bad, mm-hmm. but you know. We, we see what we can do.
1: We, help, we hope the good weeks are better than the bad. So, what are your, uh, what are some of your bets that you'd like to, kind of, uh, what what are you, sorry, just what are your best bets for okay. the day? What are your bets so,
0: for the week? that's for that this audience hey,
1: futures or... anything. I want to start off
2: by saying I had Michigan State money line this morning. They played Purdue at home, fourth ranked okay. Purdue, um, underdogs. They won. Had um, Iowa State money line at Kansas State they love won. Love Iowa um, I had Xavier minus three that didn't hit, and I had Auburn money line, they lost.
1: So, oh, I two Tennessee. and two on the day. I had, I had Tennessee money line, actually. I you had Tennessee? Win. That was yeah. a good bet. I Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know you're really high on Tennessee, though, in the tournament, right? If
2: oh, you're... I love Tennessee. I love Auburn, too. I, but... I thought,
1: yeah, I thought you would have bet on Tennessee there. I'm not huge on Auburn. I don't know why. I just... They're obviously a really good team, but I just I feel like they play a lot of close games with teams that shouldn't be in close games, like Georgia. Um,
2: my best bet for tonight at 7:30 we got Creighton Providence. I love Creighton money line. They're plus five. I'm not. I, I like Providence, but I think they're a tad overrated. They're past four games, um, three of them they won in overtime to not good teams, and then they lost one to Villanova. So they're hanging in there with three losses um and it's a must-win game for Creighton their bubble team going at Providence it's a, would be huge for the resume um I think they get the job done I think they cover for sure five um but I'm putting money on the money line I think they'll win
1: yeah I'm huge on in college basketball I think I bet um college basketball wise, I think I bet more underdogs than I do yeah. Uh, then I do favorites, especially in February, because that's when bubble teams like Creighton and like a team like Oregon, who's been upsetting a lot of teams, just kind of mold together and realize <laughs> that it's a must-win game and they play harder than a team like Providence will be in this game because Providence kind of solidified yeah. that, and I think I, I, I agree. I'll, I, I might just take the points in this one. The, I like the one, yeah. but I think five points is very nice, especially for a team like – I love Creighton. I think they've been solid all year. It's just the record doesn't really show up in a tough Big East. Um, okay, moving to the Mountain West
2: tonight. I love Mountain West hoops. There's like
1: five teams Coast. that are like I love really the up Coast.
2: there. Three that are probably tournament bound. Uh, love Mountain West hoops. Tonight, um I like UNLV money line against Boise State. Boise State's been really hot, I'm not going to lie. Um they UNLV lost a close one. Um, to Boise State last time they played. So I think this is a revenge game. The spread's one and a half. Uh, Bryce Hamilton for UNLV has been one of the best players in the Mountain West. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a walking bucket gets buckets all the time. I think um, they'll come out with a statement win and try to boost their resume a little bit. Um oh, like that bet a lot. UNLV yeah, my line.
1: I, I love West Coast basketball like I love watching the Mountain West and the Pac twelve. I love watching them all mm-hmm. late night on ESPN. Oh yeah. You know, I, they always get overshadowed like Gonzaga, like no one ever believes in that oh, yeah. like just no one ever believes in the Mountain West teams, the Pac twelve teams, and then they always shine in the tournament, I feel like. So I'm I'm really big on West Coast basketball, especially being an Oregon fan. Yeah. But yeah, I like UNLV there at home, big game. So
2: um, also tonight, um, very unpopular opinion, but I like Colorado plus 10 hosting the number two team in the country, Arizona, um, Arizona is stacked everywhere. Only two losses on the year. One of the best teams in the country. Um, but it's Evan Batty's last game, Colorado's last home game. It's a big deal. Batty's been unreal for them for years, even though Colorado not that good, um, this year. Um, but I think they'll keep it close within 10 at home. Batty's going to have a game like always, and yeah. I think they'll cover the spread.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those games where it's like it's college basketball and you're getting 10 points at home for a bubble team late in the year. I mean, yeah, it's like a why not take the points type of thing. You know, I, I would hate to bet Arizona minus 10 here. <laughs> it's just like it's just a lot of points for a team on the road, and it just has upset written all over it too.
2: And then um, I got one game for tomorrow's games. Um, one second. Tomorrow's Sunday games. Um, what is it? Indiana at Minnesota. Um, Indiana's only, I think, two and a half point favorites. Um, I love Indiana. They're going to need to finish the year strong if they want to they're on the inside of the bubble right now and they're probably in as of now, but they got to keep building. They can't, this is the time of year where you got to just push through and it'll be hard going at Minnesota, but I think they'll get the job done. I think they'll win by three or more and uh, trace Jackson Davis, one of the best players in the big 10. He's just a baller. Um, I think they'll get the job done at Minnesota tomorrow.
1: Yeah, Minnesota's one of those teams where they're always at home getting points and I always like to take them, but they never cover for me. So I've kind of stopped betting on them and believing them. Yeah. Indiana is like a team where they either they either win or don't like if they're getting points, then they either win or don't cover. But I I I mean they're minus one half this game. So I, I, I do like Indiana here. They're a team that they're gonna get the big ten bias where they'll get in with a bad record. But if they don't perform, if they like get first round in the Big Ten tournament, they might not make the tournament. Yeah. So they, yeah, really, yeah I agree with you. And TJD is one of the best players in the Big Ten. And oh yeah. Basically in the country, I mean, he's one of the best big men, especially. Uh, with that no, he's panting. a bucket. hmm He's definitely a bucket. I mean, and with I mean college, uh, college basketball season coming to and I mean the regular season is coming to an end with uh, conference tournaments coming up. I mean, do you have any? predictions on conference tournament champions in case people want to look at some futures. Um so next weekend is
2: the last weekend of the regular season. So I'll look into Mm -hmm. once the seating and everything is done with conference tournaments. Next weekend for sure I'll be looking at who's gonna win the conference and all -hmm. that.
1: Everybody Um, everybody stay tuned for next week's pot because that's early
2: we'll go over some early favorite I would say um to win it all plus Mm -hmm. one thousand I like Duke a lot. I'm huge on Duke. I, I have think a future on Duke. I think I mean it's always hard with futures, especially when the season's not even over yet. But you just like to play around a lot with them. So I'm liking Duke, early favorite. Obviously mm-hmm. predictions and everything will change as time goes on. But mm-hmm. as of now, I like it so far. Future back. Yeah, that's bet. crazy.
1: I, I actually have I have a future on Duke. That's actually crazy. I mean I I, I took him I think a couple of weeks ago, and then the day that I took them, I took it during the day, and then they ended up losing that night. So I could have gotten it at better odds. Like I'm not less confident oh, of the loss, but I could have gotten yeah. it at better odds. But I mean, I got it. Uh, I got them at plus nine fifty, so I have a good, some good odds on that. But I just think the whole like Coach K's last year, it's oh, last yeah. March Madness, and they're yep. obviously a good enough team to win it. It's not like they're going to be an eight seed; they're going to be like probably maybe even a one seed. So uh, they're blowing Syracuse out right now. I bet on Syracuse, so that's not good. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Duke, I think, is playing hard for Coach K. I think they got a really good roster. I love Moncaro. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got his own 2K card. That's kind of crazy. I mean, he's the first yeah. college player to get it. Well, one last thing I want to ask you on it.
0: Uh, do you have any NBA bets for tonight or any NBA futures or anything like that do you want to go over before we wrap this up?
2: Um, I looked into it a little bit. Um, I'm not that confident in anything tonight for NBA. Um, futures. Um, for conference conferences, um, unpopular opinion. Everyone hates it, but I'm still riding with the Nets to win the East.
0: Wow. Huge fan,
2: huge fan of the Nets. I think when – or if – assuming Kyrie is full-time and everyone's healthy, I don't – there's a lot of good teams in the East. Don't get me wrong. And the odds and everything's going to change every day. Everything changes. And as time goes on, all uh, odds will change everything. But I think the Nets have a good chance to get, get it done in the East. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know what the lines are or the odds or anything, but yeah. it's, my, it's my hot take.
1: I mean, the East is sort of a bloodbath in my, like I obviously think and want the Bulls, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any, Team one through eight made the championship. Like yeah. the Celtics, the Celtics for some reason have like really good odds from ESPN's Power Index. For some reason, they're playing really well as of late. Uh, they just beat the Pistons, but the Nets. I mean, Ben Simmons apparently has some back issues. Just, yeah, uh, I saw
2: that. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's more of just uh, I don't want to play against the Sixers March tenth. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just a big pussy. I hope they play each other in the playoffs though. Like that, be, be, that, be, that, that would be that hilarious. would
0: be a movie. If I have to It'll, pick. If I have to pick my a team coming out from the East, this is also kind of an unpopular take. But if I were to pick one, I'm going to go, from what I've seen recently, and I tweeted about this last night, I'm going to go with the Miami Heat to win the Easter Conference. They look mm-hmm. like a well-oiled machine. No egos. They embody the Eric, the Pat Riley culture. Hard-nosed defense. And Eric Spolstra is like a top – 10 to 15 coach of all time. I love Eric Spolstra. He's an amazing coach. And yeah. with Jimmy Butler and Bam and Hero and Duncan, they have dogs. And P.J. Tucker, who they picked up, I, I, I he was a key part with the Bucks last year. He's going to be even bigger with the Heat this year.
2: And Oladipo's coming back
1: at some and point. And Oladipo's uh, coming back. He's, I think he's traveling with the team. That'll so, be That'll be something. Step. So, and, yeah, they traded for him. He just, like, hasn't really played since. So, since. I'm rolling. They, keep, they traded for him last year.
0: I have the Miami Heat winning the East, but the team I have them playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm going to say Heat Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm going
0: to say the Heat win in six games.
1: All right. That's fair. I mean, the, like I said, the East, like, you could have – you could be the one seed right now, like the Bulls or Heat, and then lose three games in a row, and then you're, like, the sixth seed. So, it's just so unpredictable in the East. Yeah. Even the West is unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, with Chris Paul out, I mean, and Warriors. I still
0: think the Suns will be fine and quench the one seed.
1: Yes, I agree. But also, like, the Lakers have LeBron.
0: I don't know. We'll see. As much as I hate them, I I don't.